0: You know, they, I feel, sometimes I feel like I'm playing whack-a-mole.
1: Oh, excellent. How do we get in so. to see that? Say, well, do well. I get Joe's job? <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Greg, he plays dirty.
2: Uh, he could be the potentate of produce. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> My dad even says, he goes, I don't even know what you guys are talking about a lot of times. He, he goes, if you ask me a question in the middle of that conversation, he goes, I'm definitely not listening. I mean, Greg, come on, we show up at your house and there's a rabbit just strolling along like it's no no big deal. I have not gone into a guy's house to operate and seen a rabbit. You're
3: listening to The Crossing Gate, the official podcast of the Twin Cities Division of the National Model Railroad Association. The topics and discussions are about the world's greatest hobby, model railroading. Here are your hosts, Thomas Gazier and Ken Zeska.
4: The Crossing Gate Podcast presents Real Men of DCC. Real man of DCC Today we salute you, Mr. One-Fact Charlie Mr. One-Fact Charlie Without your know-it-all attitude We might find ourselves having to think for ourselves It's a good thing you know it all Like a lactose-laced individual, you spew information people could care less to hear. That's not a 4750! Should you ask him one question or two? Or just state a fact like, That's not the right color for Big Sky Blue? He'll tell you what is right! While others ignore him, you troll him like a walleye fisherman trolls for sunnies. So pour yourself a glass of Vincent Morgan, Einstein, of the everyday working man. Because if you didn't know it all, we wouldn't be able to feel so stupid. I'm glad he's brilliant.
3: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Crossing Gate Podcast. Tonight I'm joined by Mike Jordan. Hello. William Sampson. Uh, Hello, Greg Dahl. Hello, hello, Ken
0: Zeska. Hello, and ahoy matey from Ensign Morgan.
3: And on Ensign Morgan, and I'm your host Thomas Gazer. And this podcast, we're going to chat about the operators retreat, which is similar to an RPM and the modelers retreat, but it's just for operation. Ken, I'll start it with you, and you can talk about the Twin Cities division idea for hosting an operators retreat.
0: Great, thanks, Tom. You know, we, we have our modelers meet uh, every spring, and that's a variation on the prototype modelers meet. Maybe you'd call it a prototype modelers meet light, because we, uh, we try to keep it simple and, and really concentrate on having modelers come in and share information. And, and as we were thinking about that and talking to people at that, we found out that there are a lot of folks that would like to get into operations. And there were people that wanted to operate, but just didn't feel they could break into the, and they called them cliques of, of operating groups. But, you know, that's probably what it seems like from the outside. But I imagine those groups feel that they've got a trusted cadre of people they can depend on to come every week. And so rather than try to stretch it out and get people that might or might not be as committed, they were just comfortable with that. We notice that there's people that want to learn, and there's people that want to learn, that want to get access to more. Uh, layouts and after all operations is a real social event and the uh, twin cities division part of what we want to do is create a bigger community of model railroaders in the twin cities so the conversation was how do we do that and so we decided we wanted to try an ops weekend every time we try something new of course there's that little trepidation of well what if nobody shows up so this time we we took uh, six layouts that took a very limited amount of people, and we stuck a stake in the ground and said, "On this date, we're going to do it." Line these layouts up, and now we just put a, uh, a notice up here in the Twin Cities division saying, uh, "If you if you're interested, sign up." We will tell you that nmra members are going to get first pick for slots. Local people, of course, will get priority, and it's not because we want to uh, isolate anybody else. It's just that. This is a controlled experiment, and and we need to uh, we need to keep as many controls on as we can. So we'll go into the details of what that's going to be like. I think it's exciting, and, and so we have some layouts that are are kind of interesting. Tom, what, can you tell us a little bit about your layout and what you're going to bring to the table with this?
3: Uh, sure, my layout will be one of the six. The six layouts are going to feature, I think we have four or five different types of operations on how people set their layout up for car forwarding. And of course, the the split rock mining is the simple tab on car with colored pins, but it's intricate in that you need certain types of loads to fill individual boats to fill the steel mill orders. And we've also added interchange cars and a couple other nuances to the layout that I think newcomers to operations will pick up really easy and hopefully not be intimidated uh, by moving various sorts of red dirt. We have one, now mine's the only one with tab on car. We have one layout featuring switch lists. We have three featuring the car cards and waybills of different forms. And we have one with a hybrid of car cards and work cards. And the work cards are by Mike Jordan. I'll go to you next, Mike. Because you're a veteran of MinRail and these operations weekends. What can we expect as new layout hosts for one of these operations weekends?
5: Car Card Way bills, and operation takes the model railroading, put life into your model railroad so that it's not just a static display of your modeling skills. We prototypically try to move cars on and off and across our railroads using car cards and waybills. My railroad does about 50% general freight and 50% refrigeration cars. General freight moves by the standard car card waybill set out, hold, pickup process, where the refrigerator cars, I use a a work card to move the uh, refrigerator cars on and off the railroad. And I think the kind of neat thing is is that there might be up to five or six steps before the car actually moves off the railroad. And to keep track of all these steps, I use uh, railroad ticket punches. That kind of adds a little tactile feel to the operations. That's kind of my little bent to the standard operation procedure.
3: But you as a host, you've hosted... Min rail and pro rail, and I think as Greg alluded to, maybe schmo rail or mo rail. But how is <laughs> Only it? Only when you how, guys are over. Yeah how how are you, how is it hosting? Is it is it kind of fun hosting new people over to the layout then? It
5: yeah. is. Well, you know, it's nice to show off your work. It takes about thirty minutes for any crew to figure out how the railroad actually works. But once it starts working on its own. There's a great deal of satisfaction in just standing back and watching the railroad work. It's always nice to bring in new people and uh, introduce them to the railroad and to operations.
3: I'll go to you, William, next. We were talking about we're only going to run a two-hour session to get the new operators involved. Because I was looking at the time it takes, what I would call flip over a layout. And I think the people with car cards and waybill do not have to flip it, you know, on, on, uh, the great Northern in 1970, you run JMRI. Right. So you can just stop in a session and keep going. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. I mean, that's, we went from a car card system, a full, um, a two-sided waybill set up and you'd flip, you'd need to flip the cards to actually turn the whole railroad over. And my dad, his biggest complaint at the time was, Having to turn it over, it took him a long time and it was labor intensive. He didn't like doing that. So to do a back-to-back session, as an example, we've kind of broken up our number of trains. We'll say 21 trains, just to keep it kind of simple. It's seven trains per session. All you guys had the opportunity to run on the GNA 1970 and we could literally run a session for two and a half hours, turn the railroad off or just hit pause and then come back to it and pick it up and run the middle chunk turn it off, and then come back and turn it on again and and run it. You could do three sessions over the course of a day, in theory, using JMRI. Now, it is not for everybody. I mean, it's a complex program. It does have a learning curve. I know Dan's not on here tonight, but he uses a a computer program that lets him set up his operations. But I think a lot of it is once you start vetting the system enough, if you're an experienced operator, You can go through that learning curve. We all kind of did. And we're fortunate enough that you guys gave us what we call C trials. And that's a practice trial. If you're ever starting into operations, get a group of guys like we've got here. Um, Just reach out to them at shows or, you know, contact via email, Facebook or wherever and just say, hey, will you come try out my railroad with me and show me the things I'm doing wrong? We did one over at Greg's a few weeks ago. And to me, it recharges my batteries because I'm seeing something brand new. I've not seen his railroad And there's a learning curve that's there on his car card system. And that turnover process for my dad's railroad is simple now because of JMRI. But now Greg is just kind of actually shifting gears and coming into it. And I'll actually spin to you, Greg, your railroad. How long does it take you to turn over? I mean, you have a car card system, but if you, after we left, unless we left the deck of cards in disarray, how long do you think it took you either to set up your railroad or do you think it'll take you to set up to run it again?
6: So I'm fortunate with my car cards and waybills. You know, I know some people that use like those four cycle waybills, right? Car moves from A to B, from B to C, C to D, you know, D to E, and then goes back to A. For my railroad, everything is basically an out and back. So I really only use two-sided waybills. A car leaves the yard, goes out to the industry. The next session, it's coming back. For me, to answer your question, for me to, to turn over the layout so it's ready for the next one, probably going to take me about 20 minutes because I just got to rifle through every car card and flip it over. I don't even have separate waybills. The waybill and the car card are all one thing.
2: And it was was simple. I thought it was simple to operate. So walking into your car card system, just give a brief explanation on what you do when you're setting up or what you look at. I know you're just flipping the cards over, but does that mean that your waybill is set up to... I always have a car ping pong back and forth to the yard, to the industry, to the yard, to the industry. Will you see repetition or do you pull cards physically off and put new ones on?
6: I do a little bit of the new cars. It depends on who's operating, right? You know, if you're, if you're inviting new guests, so, you know, if you got something like Pro Rail or MinRail, people that, you know, have never operated before, there's no reason to have new cars because they've obviously never seen it. Now, if I have folks like you and Tom and Dan over who've operated many times on my layout then I may switch out some of the cars. But you have to remember my layout too. The, a brewery car, you know, the beer car, is only going to go to one spot. It's going to the brewery, it's going inside, it's getting loaded, and it's coming back out. Sure. The same with the auto plant. The auto racks are only going to one place. It's not like there's five different auto loading spots on my layout. You know, I get by with the two-sided waybills. But fortunately for me, most people, and I have three, sometimes four, depends on how many operators we have. Jobs and so people cycle through those jobs. If I was to operate every month and you were to come over every month, it would only be about every fourth month where you'd be working the same job. And would you notice that you're moving the exact same cars? No, you wouldn't. Um, at least in my opinion.
3: Yeah, that's simple to have the, the car card and the waybill as one. You'll probably have the easiest time turning over, besides you know, my my caveman method here. And Joe, are you with us now? Uh yes, I'm at eight percent, Tom. I like it. That's that's seven and a half more than I'm at. So exactly. What do you do different on your layout when you know you're gonna get new operators? What what do you prep for? What do you tell them?
1: I have had several new operators in the last several months. So that's good because we want to expose new people to operating. And I don't know what job they're gonna take. I will eliminate things like extras, because I'll run a a grain extra or I'll run a milk train or or the or a um a lumber extra. I will eliminate those. They don't clog up the system as it were. Those are for more experienced guys who have been here several times. We can run a few more trains. And then I'll make sure that I have a really good yard master because that's key. If middle yard gets messed up, we can have real problems and and nobody has a good time. So, and then I tell them, I just kind of give them the basics. You know, we're operating on a Digitrax railroad. Here's a UT4. This is what you're going to be using Here's an example of a car card. These are the important things to look at reporting marks and the car number and what type of car it is, and then where to look on the car card so that it says what you're supposed to do with that card. And then we just have at it, have a good time. You know, I expect there will be questions from new guys and even experienced operators who have been here before about a nuance or a nuisance that's in my uh, operating scheme.
3: All right. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like the idea that you don't give the new guy the most difficult job you just don't allow that and I think you're one of one of the layouts that you have an experienced crew member from your regular crew running the yard is that correct yes correct and that may seem mean if somebody wants to run the yard but it actually ensures that everyone else will have a good time and Greg Greg I know you can attest to this on some larger layouts where the new person wants to dispatch and they really shouldn't (laughs)
6: I've been to some large layouts and you're you're right. There are usually just like Joe's layout with the yard, there's always one or two key jobs. And you're right. There's always somebody it's like, oh, I really, really want to do that. But if that job doesn't get done well, then everybody else has a miserable time. So it's just better to default it and say, well, you know what? One, maybe two or three of the jobs. It doesn't depends on the size of your layout. Have somebody experienced, do them, make sure the railroad keeps flowing. And it doesn't, you know, end up like the UP in LA, you know, a few years ago.
3: Yeah, that can happen. And William brings up a good point. And I'll I'll go to you and Ken on this because you guys are going to be operators. What do you think makes it fun for a new operator or, you know, or a seasoned operator to go to one of these? What do you think they're looking for?
0: One of the things that I look for is I look for a job that's going to give me some writing and an opportunity to see the layout. I'm looking forward on this weekend to be uh, a coach. And, and so some of the people that I've talked to about signing up have a lot of uh, trepidation. They say, well, you know, I've never operated. I've seen it and it seems like a lot of fun, but well, I don't want to get there and make a fool of myself. And I assure them that don't worry about it. I've done that and, and you will live to t- tell the, st- the story but the other thing is I said you know I'll come I'll come with you and I'll be, I'll just shadow you. And if you get stuck or you have a question about what my opinion is, I'll give you some options and I'll I'll tell you about how I might do it. The other thing that I, I noticed and, and Joe and and uh, Greg have, have both done this. They they're there looking over your shoulder and they have what they call pro tips and they'll say I'm not gonna tell you how to do it but an experience my experience here is that if you go in and you pull out all the loads before you try to spot all the uh, new cars, you'll find that it works a lot easier. And, and that may seem like common sense, but the first time you come to a layout, common sense is, can be kind of uncommon. William, you've had a lot of new people come to you and your dad's place. What, what kind of things
2: do you think? What are you going to look for for uh, with new operators? I think a large part of it as as the host themselves is not stressing the operators out, jumping on them for a derailment or anything like that, almost kind of greasing the wheels before a session starts saying, hey, things are going to derail. Things will happen as much as the operator or the owner doesn't want that stuff to happen. It's just inevitable. But as you kind of alluded to even too about, you know, making mistakes when you're first time at a railroad at Greg's, he's got a little, maybe a two and a half foot section where I shoved some cars out there. And I put myself in a pickle, not even 30 seconds into the session. And he says, kind of looked at it and goes, what are you doing? And I wasn't even quite sure. And I'm I'm well aware of what I'm doing as an operator, but the the stress levels brought down. And I think part of it is keeping it light, having fun, having conversation. I, I know there are some operators that we use radios and we, a lot of times just say, keep the radio chatter to the railroad, just over the radio. And then the dispatcher can communicate with them. And then have your social chatter on the side that you're able to still enjoy yourself and have fun. But a big part, my piece of advice would be don't take it too serious. But if they are being serious, maybe, you know, try to keep your wisecracks to yourself or at least under your breath between you and the guy next to you.
3: <laughs> yeah. How many times in a session, what What are you doing? Can somebody say that? <laughs> I think that'll be it. Maybe that's something we can keep track of that weekend. We'll see how we'll lay out. It. what are you doing? Or as, as Greg says, that's an interesting way to do it. Well, no one's ever done it that way, hint, hint. Okay, then we. Have, I'll go to you, Mike. And since we are going to go to two-hour sessions, how do you keep the safety brief short? Because you already know people want to grab that, turn a knob and, you know, click a switch. How do you keep the safety brief short for new people and get going in time?
5: That's a difficult question. Uh, I try to keep it very brief. And most people are know about car card waybills, so you don't have to talk about how the planet was made and you know start from scratch. Allow them to start operating as quickly as possible, and then kind of one by one, you can talk to uh, those operators that need uh, little assistance because. There's nothing louder than an eye roll, so you want to keep those to a minimum.
3: I think that was one of the things we talked about when choosing these layouts. I think if a layout has, like the most will have five, that you can get on with the jobs ex- explanation rather easily than a layout that has 10 to 15 operators. You know, and just- I've,
5: I've edited down the different positions, note cards. I'm up to about... 27, so I'm trying to get down to, you know, in that 15 range yeah. just to help that process.
3: Yep, yeah. I think so, too. I think you can get people going and say, this is the basics of this job. And then you get a lot of, hey, Mike's, hey, Greg's, hey, Tom's, which is fine, too,
5: Yeah, especially for well, helpers. And I've also tried to color code waybills and direction. You can... Pretty much operate my railroad without being a reader.
3: Yeah. As long I think as you're that's, not that's colorblind. Experience. Yeah, no, no colorblind. I think that's important. Isn't it? No.
5: I, I do have one operator that is colorblind.
3: And, and so he can't I, read. I, I'm still in the Why room. Why do you look right? at me like that, Yeah, yeah, yeah Joe's <laughs> still in the room. <laughs> Speaking of Joe, and Ken brought this up, we're going to talk. We'll go to you and Joe and Ken about we're going to host a Friday evening social where everyone... The operators get to meet the layout owners over a beverage and some snacks. We can explain how our layouts work. Maybe a track plan will bring some car cards, we will bring waybills, all of a jar of pins, I guess. But why don't you talk about that a little bit, Joe, and what you expect from, you know, a Friday social to explain to the people coming to your layout the next day.
1: All right. So if I do my work correctly, I'll have a schematic and a, and a rude track plan. And like you said, a couple of car cards. I'll even bring a throttle so that people can try a hands-on and see what that looks like. Probably not going to bring the whole system, so it'll be a dead throttle, but whatever. And so I just want to be able to explain and have the, the participants ask questions about how the, the train routing works. Uh, mine is all yard limits, so it's kind of, you know, you have to look out and make sure you can stop before you run into somebody else. And then the car cards, that's my car car routing. You know, and to look and to see if that makes sense to them and if they can work with that. And inevitably, when I redid all my car cards, I made some mistakes. So some of the things are, you know, they've got pencil marks on them or they're, they're uh, oh, shoot, I need to fix that one. So there'll be some questions and some repairs on the fly, as it were. I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to it. I always like to meet new operators and and see how they go about things and kind of like to see that spark get lit when they say, oh, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this.
3: What do you think, Ken? What are you looking forward to Friday?
0: Again, the social parts. So you're going to have a chance to meet the people that you're going to spend the day operating with. You're going to get a chance to meet the layout owners that you're operating with. So when you walk in at nine o'clock or one o'clock, whatever session you're on, the first or second with that person, you're already going to have a, a camaraderie, a, a friendship. It's, it's not like you're walking into a place where you've never met anybody, you know, from your first operating session, you'll have three other people that went through the same crucible with you and now are experienced operators. So that when you get to that second layout, uh, you'll have a chance to uh, polish up that bravado, and let that second layout owner turn it a bit for you. It's going to be fun and it's going to be fun because we're building community. And then afterwards, you know, we'll have a, a not required but an, a social event. We'll we'll meet someplace in between, and say, uh, you know, it's up to you. But if you want to stop by and and have a ice cold Pepsi or Coke or whatever it is you want to have, and compare notes and and laugh about what you learned, and that's great. Uh, it's also we'll encourage the uh, every operator to have a bring a little card with them. And make sure you leave that card so that that layout out owner knows that you're interested in coming back so that we can build this community. It's got to be something that builds on itself. It can't be just the one and done. That's my idea for the whole social event starting on Friday night.
2: Well, I think that's a big part of it, though, is also just as an operator, though, I'm saying we are operators. But if you have a railroad, you don't have to be a quote unquote operator to do this. And I think a big part of it is, is putting yourself out there. So if you know anybody that is even remotely interested in operations, you can share this podcast. You can connect with any of us at any time to get to know us as far as just modelers. And when I say us, it's not just the group that are talking right now. It's the railroad community that Ken was referencing because that's a huge part of it. And putting yourself out there, it seems intimidating. It seems like, well, I don't know anybody, but that's how you get to know them is showing up. Doing an event like this, whether it is even the Twin Cities, you know, modelers meet an operating session like this, but putting yourself in that position to even if you're a quiet person that doesn't talk to anybody and you don't have any interest in it, you just want to run trains, you can kind of work your way along through it too and get the opportunity to get into. I know Joe Binish has been he's hosted guys that have never operated before and it gives them that that opportunity. And this is just a great way to do it. So if anybody's hesitant, anybody's questioning it, just give it a go. Reach out and at least try to get a hold of some people and start operating railroads. I think this is a great idea. I think it's just uh it's a cool way to go about it.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of out there. I know it's different from the other Opsig events, but I'm hoping this takes off. And even just a couple of days we've had it notified online, I suppose on the on social media, we've actually had another person volunteer their layout. I told Who you. Who is
1: that. it? I want to operate on it. He said everyone but you, Joe. So. Ah, again. <laughs> again. You know, Samson uh, will let me back after I pushed one flat car off. One. The of the side. Well,
2: and, oh, and put one hopper on
1: its side. I mean, if we're, we're taking points that, that here, was Joe. Day's fault. Uh, that was Day's fault. I'm not <laughs> accepting responsibility for that. But I
3: heard that was revenge for some tower. So I'm not gonna
1: Yes, well, that. yeah. Well are. played, Mr. Binnish. Well, <laughs> yeah, played. well played. That was Tom. That was Tom. Oh, no. Oh, no. Tom, you asked in the chat of several questions about how to get people to, to sign up. And and I agree with William, this is kind of a game and, you know, we're big boys playing with toys in a sophisticated way, but it's really a lot of fun. And and I don't say that to exclude the fact that there are some women who want to get involved and please do. It's really a lot of fun. If it's not your cup of tea, no one's going to be upset with you, but give it a shot and see, you know, like, like you said, Tom, um, model railroading should be a social activity gives you an opportunity to meet new people and to meet, you know, other modelers and to see how they do things and come up with new ideas. Boy, I can't think of the number of things on my layout and in my modeling career that I've seen someone else do or talk to them about. And it's ch- and made me a much better modeler and operator. Jump in, please.
3: No, I agree. I think this is the social thing. And Greg, I'll go to you next and they talk about what would it take for one of these new operators after one of the sessions at your place to get invited back. And then I'll also tee off this and you guys can answer this one too, is do things like this as a layout owner fire you up to operate the layout more? Or is this stressful that you want to get away from it for a while? Greg, what do you what would you look for in someone to say, hey, come on back, here's my information? I
6: think one of the things that people need to realize uh, when they go to somebody's layout is that you're, you're going, in general, you're going to a layout that's in somebody's home right? So remember that you're, you're, you're a guest in their house. Um, they probably have family there with them as well. Simple things like, you know, bringing a pair of, you know, we're in Minnesota, bringing a pair of inside shoes, right? Or or slippers or something to wear. That can go a long way, rather, rather than just stomping in with your work boots that are, you know, covered with iron ore dust, you know, and then tromping through their house and, you know, and just being a gracious guest, right? You know, asking politely if, Hey, do you mind if I pick up this? You know, this engine is stalling. What What should we do? Do you want me to pick it up and move it, uh, or do you, you know, want to handle all that yourself? And just being thankful, right? You come over. Somebody's invited you to their house. Tell them, you know, what do you, What did you like about the layout? One of the things I had an operator one time. Uh, some folks came from out of town, and one of the guys pointed out every flaw. which... And and the funny thing is, is I, I knew 99% of them, right? Oh, you know, the screws on my, on my fascia, those show, oh, you should putty those over and, and, and then paint them. It's like, okay, having a layout means, you know, I have to make choices. There's only so many things I can do. I can tell you if you, if you don't want to get invited back, then point out everything that you don't like. Oh, this is this is the wrong. T- you should be running Steam yeah. or you should be doing this or
3: you should have made it bigger. <laughs> you should have made it bigger.
6: Where's your helix? Um, uh, I think so, I think
3: looking under the layout is my taboo. What do you got under here?
6: That goes a long way. I mean, again, don't be afraid. I mean, we're all, you know, layout owners, especially are generally operators. Uh, we've all seen things break, you know, some of this, you know, high end, you know, $70 freight cars, right? The stirrups get snapped and that happens. I use skewers, so I kind of expect that. It shouldn't, you know, make you so scared. It's like, oh, I don't want to touch anything, right? The, the, that's why we're here when we're operating.
3: Yeah. I, I think these will be good. I think we explained to everybody that it's no pressure. You know, the mythical I, products aren't going to get to the mythical companies anyway, but. These are sessions that as layout owners, we're setting up, we know things aren't gonna get done. And if they do, they're only gonna get done to a point. And I think if we get the point across that we don't care, we want you to have fun. We want we want you to enjoy the game we set up of it's 1970 in Minneapolis, you're going to Wilmer. You know, you're you're in the alleys of Minneapolis. You're at the large auto factory in St. Louis. You're in California. That's what I'm hoping to get out of it. So, Ken, what do you want to see the Twin Cities division get out of this after this? I think you talked about hosting more of these.
0: Yeah, yes, definitely talking about hosting more of these. One of the uh, legendary things we hear about the NMRA is that it's a closed group and nobody – likes anybody else and and it's all a bunch of snobs and 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 really that is so not the case we don't always have a chance to meet other people in a fun atmosphere and operations can be a fun atmosphere and the and the layouts that we're going to are all designed to be fun and the layout owners are all designed to be well are all intended to be welcoming so i'm looking forward to if we have 24 28 However many people we have, we now have a group of 30 more people that know each other as friends. And the next time they can say to their friends, man, come up, come and try this. This is something I did, and I had a lot of fun. And so now we become 60 and 80 people. And sure, there's going to be guys that only want to operate once a month with the same group of people. And and that's okay. I understand that because you have a bowling team. You have all your your favorite friends. But it would be great that when we get together, whether it's at the modelers meet or if it's at the the Twin City Division events or at the TLR conventions, we now have people that share an interest in doing something. You can get six or eight guys that would get together and and say, yeah, did you you ever run at that central of Minnesota? And they all laugh about the purple uh, passenger train. It'll be just a a shared experience for them. That's what I'm looking for.
3: Yep. Yeah, I think opening it up. And Mike, I'll go back to you. You've had a lot of, like I said, experience hosting sessions and going to them. Do you get a kick out of newer operators or is it just more calming to have the old curmudgeons that know how to twist the throttle already?
5: I no, I like new operators. It's fun to introduce the railroad to others. And then I'm excited about this process of going out and finding new operators and introducing them to operations. I mean, that's uh, what a smart thing to do. You know, we've chatted about what is the percentage of operators to model railroaders. Operators are a small minority, but we've discovered the fun of operation, and it's a great thing to introduce this operations to other people. So some people probably going to be excited about doing it and others will eliminate it but even if you get a dozen more people that's 12 more people than we had before so i kind of i'm excited about bringing people in and showing them what operations about and then the sidebar of being able to show off my railroad and all the work i've done on it
3: maybe on the whole new uh crew talking about you the way you talk about gary freezeman you do you can ruin people for life then.
5: yeah yeah <laughs> ruin model railroading
3: ruin yeah i used to like my rounder so william this time you're not going to participate as a layout owner but we're hoping you come to these what would you look for you know going round robin to these new layouts what would be something you would look for you or your dad hitting these layouts up
2: I think we look for a lot of times is the job that suits our interest. And my dad and I are probably a pretty good example because I like switching. He likes road, um, basically just over the road power, and just going back and forth or even just stopping at yards. And then the yard master does his thing. So when you do go to a new railroad is the opportunity to find what I would call the fun job. And that for me is switching for my dad. It's he wouldn't be looking for the switching job. He'd look for, you know, the passenger train or a freight train that you get to see the whole railroad. So that would be probably one approach looking at it going in. But I think a lot of times just as operators, we don't have the opportunity if it's a new operator, new railroad or anything like that is to kind of get to know the railroad. So that's how you get to know the railroad, just like you get to know another person. And I think a lot of times, You know, we're not on this group and, you know, I know in the future, hopefully we'll have the opportunity to, you know, bring the GNA1970 or even the HIWAT Elevated District online. So anybody that's listening to this, mind you that those two aren't involved. And if I do put it out there and say that The GN-1970 is going to run. My dad's sitting there listening, going, oh, boy, now I got a lot of work to do. (laughs) Under (laughs) the bus.
3: Tom was actually
2: really, you're a great advocate (laughs) to be able to help us get that system kind of kicked up and running and getting kinks out of the system. And that's a big part of it. Uh, But I think out of something like this, the thing that I would look forward to as an operator is seeing the different railroads come to life. I mean, there are different parts of it. And a lot of times, I think I even asked Mike Jordan, I asked him, what was the fun job and then he has one job that, you know, it's kind of the, we won't call it the the brain of the whole system, but the mentioned what is the name of your job? Just Mike, you got to refresh me uh, up on that upper shelf that I worked.
5: Well, I've got uh, the town of Guadalupe. That okay. Has, that's where I worked. Yeah. Right. And that's the, where the Southern Pacific interchanges with the uh, Santa Maria Valley. So you've okay. got trains coming from all directions into your yard. And then you have to sort out the cars and send them to either north south or up the branch
2: no so, mind you in that when i said i'll take guadalupe the room went oh ho, ho, ho.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and i wasn't no. sure if i jumped on a grenade no. or not but i think part of it was having fun was being embraced we had the opportunity again we ran at greg's i'm going to share a brief story about this and it was ken was operating And he's shoving a bunch of auto racks down a track. And I can see two of these cars belong to Joe Binnish. He needs to pick them up. Well, as those cars are getting shoved in there, it's a stub end track. So Joe's getting buried. I turn to Ken and I just look at him. I says, you know, Joe needs those two cars. And all Ken did with a straight face just went, I know. And I said, okay, carry on. And I walked away. So I go back to my job. Another gentleman comes walking up, Tom, and says, Ken. Why are you burying those two cars? Joe needs them later. Well, then that the cat was out of the bag and Ken was being a nice guy. He pulled the whole cut out and shoved those auto racks onto another backtrack. But the point there was that he was subtly going to have a little fun with Joe indirectly because he had to deal with a string of auto racks to bury a car later and then walk away from it. but it, I think a big part of it is the fun going over to Mike's and having the opportunity to go on running Guadalupe. It's a fun little event, and when you do go to a new railroad is finding that thing that's fun that kind of suits what you enjoy. And I like puzzles. I like figuring things out. I like switching. And there's different you know, different flavors for everybody, including Joe.
1: Hey, William. Just so you know, I glued those auto rack- axles to the bottom of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: that's why they no, were Greg, dragging.
1: <laughs> there's
3: Greg, Greg all week. No wonder you didn't offer a solution to Greg's issue. There. <laughs>
1: exactly.
3: But I think you know that's a big point. William had brought out in that we didn't put on the survey what kind of jobs are you looking for because we just asked if there were new operators that had that experience. But I think when people come to your layout, what you want a road, you want this, and you you took Guadalupe and in Mike's layout. I call that the heart of Mike's layout, like Joe's middle yard. But the soul of Mike's layout is that packing district. That's the reason the reason the whole thing is there is that, you know, that's the last mile that we all want to model of these systems. And that's what we enjoy. And I think it's important that people buy into the story. And I think the six layouts we have chosen have really, really good stories.
2: Well, that's big. Let me ask you guys, just one brief from each one of you. When you go into a railroad, do you buy in? Are you going in? I'm going to buy into whatever this guy is selling for the difficulty or whatever may be. Or do you guys look at it and go, you know what? I've operated enough railroads. It doesn't matter where I get put. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Do you go in with the mentality of I'm going to do what the operator or the owner is trying to sell me? Or do you go in with the attitude of I'm just going to do what I do because I've done it before?
3: Greg, what do you think?
6: I, I like to try to buy into that. I mean, it's part of a play, right? You know, you're, you're an actor really in in a play. So And it helps everybody else. If everybody else is on sort of, you know, like they say, singing from the same song sheet. It seems to work a lot better. I, I've been at a few layouts where, you know, somebody thinks they, they know best, and, although it's not really black and white because, like, for instance, you know, running a yard, running Joe's yard, generally you don't want to handle cars. You know, you don't want to cherry pick cars sure. out of each track, right? Yep, yep. So as a yard master, regardless of what kind, whether you're in the 1954 MN St. L or whether you're in 1985, generally when you deal with a yard track, right? You're pulling an entire string, dealing with it, and then sorting things that way. So it's not necessarily black and white. You can buy into what the owner is trying to get across, and at the same time, bring along some of the things that you know work well, regardless of what kind of layout you're operating.
3: Mike, what do you think about that? You go to people's houses.
5: I think that to make the evening the most fun is to buy into the story that he's trying to tell and, and the story that the railroad presents itself. Because the owner has worked hard to create that story that makes the railroad run smooth. Uh, for instance, is uh, last night I operated on a railroad and uh, I got to watch Joe run a yard. When I watched him, I kind of smiled to myself And I said, I hope Joe understands how his yard masters feel when they run his yard. (laughs) And and what do you think? (laughs) There was a part of that operations where Joe was buried, but he just kept moving cars. And in maybe 12 different moves, he had the yard back uh, in a nice assembled. Manner. It was just kind of like he he bought into the story, and it was a pleasure to watch him sweat, but solve the problem. And I, I think that's what makes running on different railroads fun, is uh, learning the story and, uh, like Greg said, knowing your lines and being part of the play and and uh, bring it to a good conclusion.
3: And how about you, Joe? Do you like buying into the story? Absolutely.
1: And here I am to tell you that I have in the past not bought into the story and thought that I was really smart. And everybody saw how foolish I was. I ended up creating way more work than I needed to. And I didn't ruin the session because everybody still had had a good time. But it could have gone a lot better. Now, last night, uh, you know, it's on a Penzi layout. It's a beautiful layout in the Twin Cities. It runs really well. We had a great time there were what, six of us there, five of us, I don't know. And, you know, I was in Reading and it was busy. And like Mike says, all of a sudden I'm up to my elbows in freight cars and you just kind of have a plan and figure it out. And I had a couple of guys who were, you know, real good operators there with me and, and helped me figure it out. And we got everything where it needed to go. So it was a great session. I had a great time and, and, you know, I'm not a Penzi guy, but I was a Penzi guy last night. It was a lot of fun. Were there GG1s there? Uh, no, it's not that part of the of the Penzi. So. Oh, but man. there were some really cool, um, I don't remember what the class was, maybe G6, uh, little commuter engines that went flying by from time oh, to time. Wow. So it was really fun.
3: And, Ken, do you like buying into the story? Do you like walking into someone's layout and going, oh, okay, I'm going to like this?
0: I like to walk in and, and have somebody tell me, you know, you're in uh, – South Minneapolis in 1970, you're in uh, North St. Louis, and, and here's what's happened. You know, these lines have been discarded by these railroads and picked up, and, and, and here's here's what the environment is that you're working in so that you know. And it's so important to know that because, as an example, working Greg's yard, Railroad. I was always concerned about keeping the main line open because that's what you do until he told me and it sunk in about the third time that, you know, you're really on the end of a short line railroad and nobody's coming through. So you've got that main line to work off of. And so that that was the nuance. That was the flavor of the uh, of that railroad that made it a lot more fun just understanding that. So you got to be open to what the layout owner's story is, and you've got to be paying attention to it. Make sure you uh, you appreciate it. So
3: I think I'm the same. I've been on layout tours, and I've gone to a couple layouts, and I'm like, oh, I like this. You know, we have a local person who has a Clinchfield layout, and that's so rare for the Midwest to have an Eastern layout. And I, and I just I can't wait to get over there and operate because. I want to buy into like the Clinchfield, you know, in the F unit era, and I think that's that's really neat to be, at, you know, in the Hiawatha district or to be downtown Minneapolis. That that makes it better for me, you know, dispatching out to Wilmer, and so that's what I try and do. I try and have people think they're in northern Minnesota, and so we'll go back to you, Greg, and we'll talk about what can you do. With, what's a polite way to say to an operator who's struggling? you know that need some advice do you just come over and say how's it going and then try not to smirk or what what do you do Uh,
6: generally yeah generally that's the is as a layout owner now i have the advantage on my layout it's been designed so all the operators aren't relying on each other each person is sort of basically independent so that takes a lot of the pressure off and if you you know like we talked about before if if the cars don't get there, they just don't get there. It's you know nobody's going to lose their job over this whole thing. But generally, as a, as an owner, if if I see somebody's like way behind, I'll go over and just you know how's it going because you know I'm concerned. Are they having mechanical problems? or Is it derailing on them for some reason? You no. Know, is it are they having problems with their throttle? But if it's just a question of them you know having trouble sorting the cars, you know I might make a few polite suggestions to them. But otherwise, I just you know, remind them that we're here to have fun. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it getting there. That's, I guess that's my point.
3: I don't think they can, you have to tell them that up front about the damage control and things and stuff like that. Mike, what advice would you offer someone down there in that packing district?
5: If I see someone struggling, I'll say, you want me to be the conductor and you drive and then get them through whatever part they're having trouble with. And Once they get their rhythm back, then I can just, you know, hand them the cards back and they can become conductor and engineer. I do have two people that work on the branch and I usually put one senior person and one novice on the branch and the senior person helps the novice with his problems. So depending on how we set up our operation on Saturday, I have to figure out, you know, if I need to get a person in, but like Greg said, you know, no one's going to get fired and we're going through the learning curve and we just want to go. There's no time limit that the railroad has to be done or a car moved. So if you got to move it three or four times to get it to the right spot, you know, you've had fun getting it there. You know, it's only uh, my close personal friends that I will, chastise for every stupid move that they make. You just have to be relaxed and, and let everybody have fun.
3: No, I, I like that attitude. And I think that's that's the, what you have to do is have to say, hey, we're having fun and, and going to that. Dan, what are you going to tell everybody? How are you going to tell all these people to have fun and not be worried about if they operate correctly?
0: I think the key is, are you having fun now? And if you're not having fun, well, how can I help you have fun? We had talked about some of the people that had signed up. If one of those people is, and, and and I know some of the people that have had some temptation about signing up, well, I'm, I'm going to be there as an operator also. And I, I can be there as a coach. Everybody that's there, all of us that have a little more experience, it's it's up to us to help make sure everybody has a good time. And that's that's what I intend to do. Keep a smile. Have a good time.
3: Don't get don't get too stressed out. There's there's still snacks yeah. and drinks to have.
0: That's so, right. Yeah, go grab a go grab one of the uh, imitation shrimp and it, life is good.
3: Life is good. And and William, what do you think makes a session fun for you? When you visited new layouts, you know, been to Dan's and mine and Greg's. What separates it? What makes it fun?
2: I really honestly feel like it's the the added little elements that are added almost at each session what's whether it's seeing some you know scenery that's been done or you know actually just seeing the railroad updated if it's one that you visited again but the efforts that a modeler will go into i've seen guys that have ran reaper service and they actually open up the little hatches on the top of all the reaper cars and you think boy that took a lot of time but i can respect the fact that that modeler took the time to do that because he's airing out a car I like those little nuances. I know um, Dan, who's not on here, he's mentioned um, he did a gate. And I know Tom Klamoski's had a gate on his, and I always have thought that's a cool little element. Greg had it on his railroad. And when I went to spot my car, I thought, well, I'm going to spot this thing just short so I, that gate can still close. That's a little thing that I'm doing for my own entertainment. But I think it's finding those little fun elements that are added by the owner that a lot of guys might just shove those cars in, spot it, call it good. I like to put it right at the door. I like to leave a clearance for the gate and pretend that actual activity is going on in this little world. So that's to me, what I think is fun and what you can pull out of it as an operator going in, whether you're new or seasoned, sometimes they give you a little bit more uh, activity. Like Dan has this slip that it basically treats it like the company has shown up and said, all right, now you need to spot these cars in these exact spots. He wouldn't give that slip of paper to a new guy. But of a seasoned guy, he's like, all right, this will be fun for you. You like switching? (laughs) Have fun with this. And that, to me, that's what I enjoy. I like it. And when Dan did that, I thought, all right, this is fun. I'll spot these cars when they need to be. It took me longer, but I thought it was a lot of fun to do it. And those are cool little elements that are involved. So that's what I look for.
3: I think, well, your layout, you're building the same thing with less space than the basement-filling monsters we've seen. That you can add those nuances in there, cleaning out the wheat cars you know, bringing in all the things you have, wash tracks. I like all that too. You know, that's Mike Jordan's. You got to move the reefer 10 times.
2: So is that that the evolution though of us as modelers or as operators, where I will say a new guy comes in, just shove the car in there, get it to the industry. I don't care where it goes. So Mike has that, you know, the process of drying the cars and cleaning the cars and going through the process and moving to their spots. That's an added element that is fun. But is it fun for everybody or is that going to drive somebody nuts where they're like, I have to wait how long to let this car dry? I'm just going to just shove it into the track where it belongs. Do you ever have people do that, Mike?
5: Yes. Yes. But I don't mind because that's where I started. Yes. And and I think one of the things that you and Dan and Tom have in common is with a smaller railroad you can add these little things to your railroad that makes it more railroad And so you don't have the pleasure of running a 42-car freight train over 600 feet of track, but you can model little nuances that add to the flavor of, of the railroad. I know that there was a railroader, Arlen Teedle, and he had flour mills. He painted little yellow spots on his tracks next to the flour mills. And the rear truck with the rear wheel had to be on that yellow paint spot because the hopper in the condola or the hopper car wouldn't line up with the bin that they had to drop the weed in. So those are the things that you can do with a smaller railroad that adds play value. That's the big difference between large railroads and small railroads is uh, you can extend that time of operation by doing these small nuances. And uh, my refrigerator cars, that just evolved from research and fellow
2: railroaders giving me information I couldn't ignore. Oh, and that's fun evolution, though, I think. I think those are the oh, things yeah. that have yeah. added to it. And that, that's cool. I like it. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Oh, and I think beginning railroaders, the set out place, the set out hold and pickup is just great. And But then as you start learning things and even seeing them, then you start adding them into the operation part
2: of the railroad. Well, Arlen Teetle even had one with a scale that you had to write on a clipboard. You'd pull cars across. And when I took that job because (laughs) of that, he goes, this one has a scale, and you have to actually use that clipboard. I'm like, can I get that job? He goes, absolutely. And during the session, one of the other operators walks by and goes, well, I'm glad my job doesn't have homework. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fun. Those little things are
5: cool. Well, the the great thing about Arlen is if you operated – in January, he would tell you the annual loads of soybeans that moved through that scale and how many tons of soybeans and how many gallons of oil left. And, you know, he kept track of that stuff and it added to the play value of his railroad. So these are and his was a fairly good sized railroad. So That's he true. had both. He had both. Uh, the luxury of, of a larger railroad and having these small things
0: to add to the value of his railroad. I know we're getting pretty close to the end, but I, I, I want to just make two points. One is that if you're in the Twin Cities Division and you're, you're even remotely thinking you might want to try operations, this is the event to try. This is the easiest event to try. And if we get enough response, We'll say, we'll know that, and we'll do it again. Don't say, well, I'm just afraid to do it. Just step up and, and give it a try. Another thing is, if you're in another division, and they aren't doing something like this, and they'd like to have some, some uh, advice or some, let us tell what we did and how it worked out. We'll share with you, because we think that it's uh, it's one of these things that's going to build the community of model railroading. That's my soapbox.
3: Okay, and we'll wrap it up, Ken. I'll go to you then. What are you looking forward to for this weekend? Every, we'll have everybody name one thing they're looking forward to, and then uh, we'll wrap Fun, it
0: up. fun. I'm looking oh. forward to fun.
3: All right, Joe. What are you looking forward to?
1: Uh, I want to operate on somebody's new layout that uh, is going to be exposed to operations at this uh, event.
3: Yeah, that'd be cool if they if they said they're building a layout. If we can change their minds and come back in a, in a time, that would be cool. Mike Jordan, what are you thinking of this event?
5: I'm just meeting new operators and new model railroaders. I think it'd be fun to find a few people that would like to come back and operate on the railroad. I was introduced to operations uh, 25, 30 years ago, and it really saved model railroading because it keeps your interest in model railroading fresh all the time. Plus, you get invited to see other people's railroads and steal, uh, repurpose,
3: uh, procure
5: uh, <laughs> new ideas. Yeah, yeah.
3: Procure, procure.
5: Yeah, yes. unfortunately, I, I've only stolen everybody's mistakes.
3: I know. I know. Greg, what are you looking forward to doing this
6: weekend? Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say something similar. Usually, when when somebody new comes over. Uh, even if they're not modeling what I'm modeling or if they're doing something, they always have something interesting that I always find that, you know, I, I might be able to borrow, steal, reprocure, and use on my layout. So I've, I've always enjoyed that, that new idea. Having the same three, four people over every time, it, it starts to get a little stale. Yeah. No offense. I've only been over once, Rick. Right? Yeah.
3: And there's a reason for that. So <laughs> William, what what are you looking for on a weekend like
2: this? Well, well I, I echo everything these guys all said. I think that a big part of it ends up being is the fun of it, the enjoyment of it, the meeting the new people, the challenges and interests that come from operating a new railroad. I think all those things all come into play. But I think one of the bigger things I get out of these type of events is the recharging of the batteries. It feels like, oh, I could go to somebody's railroad. You operate it for three hours and you think, Oh, I'd be done. I'm tired of this. A lot of times I'll get home and I'll go right downstairs and I'll start working on a locomotive, a car or looking at my railroad operations because I just got a lot of new ideas from seeing other people's railroads run. So I think if there's anybody even just hesitant in trying to sign up or wanting to do something like this, I'd say just all in, go for it, give it a whirl. Uh, You know, the opportunity to be able to operate on mine, Tom's, you know, all these guys that are talking right now, as well as the community here in the Twin Cities and beyond. um, It's opportunities like this where you'd be like, well, I never knew those people even operated. And to Mike's point, I think the number one thing is, is that our bug was actually bitten up, bit us like in the early 90s, that operations gave our railroad a purpose, period. It gave our railroad a purpose. It created a community of people that we didn't know existed and it's been 30 plus years since we had that opportunity, and we're still going strong. It hasn't gotten old because there's so many different railroads out there to try. It's different flavors, different styles, different techniques, different car cards, all that stuff on top of it. But it's a fantastic thing. This is a great idea, Tom. I don't know where you came up with it or who you stole it from, but brilliant.
3: It's something like that. No, and I'll <laughs> echo that. And I think I'm looking forward to it. Uh, one of the phrases I always knew from comedians I stole from is that you don't need new jokes. You just need a new audience. And so (laughs) I, you know, I think I'm looking forward to having a different set of eyes on the split rock mining and have people say, you know, ask them, well, what do you think? What would you, you know, give me, give me the feedback. That's different. Like Greg says, than the same three schmoes I've been having over, but I'm also looking forward to the enthusiasm that that I can teach somebody that they're going to say, how'd you make those trees? Where'd you get the detector? Where'd you get this? And because there's really nothing I do that you can't find online or on print, but a lot of people don't see it in person, DCC, sound, keep alive, lighting. And I'm just so looking forward to sharing it one-on-one because that's how I learn. I learn by sitting down next to someone or by operating it. So I'm hoping that The 20-something operators we get are enthused. And like Ken says, then they'll they'll tell 20 people and they'll tell 20 people and they'll bite the bug. And the Twin Cities Division will have a nice, nice example to show the rest of the NMRA that starts simple, start small and simple, and you can pull off some really fun events. So and we'll wrap it up with that. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you for your input. Thank you for your sage advice and jokes. And I'll let everyone say good night.
0: Good night. Good night, friends. Good
3: Good night. night. You've been listening to The Crossing Gate, the official podcast of the Twin Cities Division. You can find us on Facebook in our group, the Twin Cities Division of the NMRA. You can email us at tcdnmra at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe for
1: future podcasts. Thank you. Hey Tom. Yes, sir. You know the one the one question you're gonna get. What are the pins for? Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you should have a tally board of how I many should. people ask.
1: We'll see how long I last. Oh. Uh oh. That's what your wife Oh, said. I think
2: yes, yeah. I think he's talking to his wife. There,
1: there's an outtake. Right there.
2: Joe, your mic is open.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs>